Welcome to the Weekly Notebook Review. I am Robert McGrory. This podcast takes on a bit of a different format where we are live each week on Twitter Spaces. I crack open my notebook and review Hedgeye research with anyone who wants to learn a better way to invest. We feature both Hedgeye power users as well as some special guests that might pop in. If you want to learn more about our research, visit Hedgeye.com. If you'd like to participate in the live stream, follow me on Twitter at HedgeyeRJM. Now, let's review the data. and learning today yeah sorry man i was on mute there but yes um everything yeah happy uh, early turkey day as you said uh fun times going on just dropped and... my daughter off nice yeah let's uh we'll let some folks kind of trickle in here and then we'll get things rocking and rolling But welcome all. It's always a pleasure to uh, to host these Wednesday notebook reviews. Um, we got a little early bird special um, this week, which is always great. And apologies for kind of shifting the time up a little bit. Uh, the last, uh, well, this week and it'll be next week as well. We're gonna we're gonna do it on Tuesday at two p.m. Um, my daughter's birthday is on on Wednesday the thirtieth, so. Um, she, uh, that little three-year-old rules the roost. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, but I just, uh, just want to make sure that I'm, I'm, uh, focused on her in the afternoon and stuff like that. So, um, next week will be at, on Tuesday at 2 p.m. and I'll be in studio, which will be great. But, uh, this week we are, uh, yes, we've got lots going on. Obviously, we got, uh, some things happening out in the markets in terms of, uh, VIX down at the, the kind of low end of the risk range. And actually, Genron's telling me I'm scheduled for Monday, and he is accurate. The weekly notebook review uh, is actually on Monday next week, so my bad. I had those, the times uh, mixed up. Um, so, Genron, thank you for being in my ear and for uh, giving me the heads up live. Uh, but no, but we we got lots to talk about here, uh, so let's kind of dive into it. And as a reminder, uh, just uh, this is not investment advice, and please refer to the. Uh, Hedgeye kind of a disclaimer here for the weekly notebook review. I'll pin that in the nest here in a minute. And, uh, and, and, but now we can jump into it. So, um, we got the, uh, the VIX moving down to the kind of low end of the risk range. Um, obviously it's at uh, 20 spot 91, which technically is, is below the 21 spot 03 that was published this morning. Uh, but again, these things are dynamic. So, you know, don't freak out about it. Um, you know, the, the trend ranges are, are there. Um, we don't have that on the VIX per se, but certainly kind of cross-reference the uh, daily range with, uh, with any of your ETF pro products that you have out there and the, the trend ranges there. And, um, you know, that's going to give you a bit of a better idea as to where things might uh, might live, right? So XLK is kind of a good example, which I've pulled up on my screen. So again, if, if you're, you know, listening in live, you know, feel free to either jump over to the Hedgeye website or to the Hedgeye uh, YouTube channel. Um, you can kind of kind of listen in on, on both and, and uh, get to share my screen here. So um, the, the, the thing, what I'm showing you with XLK is really the, the trend range. So that would be 
you know, this range here on the left-hand side, that's going to be the, the longer term. So incorporating, you know, uh, volume, price, volume, and volatility on a, uh, you know, three-month or more basis. And uh, and you can see here the daily range, you know, kind of top end is around one, 135 and a quarter. Uh, the top end on the trending basis is closer to uh, kind of what it was actually at 138. So uh, we still have a bit, bit of room to go on that top side. So, again, kind of just be patient, you know, execute. I just saw a real-time alert come in from 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 Coach on on um, one of the shorts we we had out there, so he was covering that. Uh, so you know, again, just you know, it's one of the beauties of doing it, you know, real time and live during market hours is, you know, we get to uh, coach through and, and review the notebook, um, obviously with uh, with real time pricing in, in terms of uh, what's going out there, right? So evaluating some of the maybe feelings or emotions uh, that might that might be happening and. And I'll reiterate what I uh, had posted, uh, what I tweeted out this morning, which is, you know, um, although those kind of negative uh, or sorry, sorry, I should say eyeball discounts are in place at the moment uh, and certainly increased on a you know day over day and, and week over week basis, as I shared, um, the, you know, we just got to remember it's like one tool in the toolbox, right? And, and the bigger takeaway right now of the last two days would be the consolidating risk ranges. Um, so those, uh, you know, it, it's the the lower um, lower highs, but then also higher lows that are, that are happening. So, you know, as of uh, kind of even just a week ago, you know, the low end of the risk range on say the S S and P, if you uh, if I go to eleven sixteen, it was down at thirty six thirty five, which would have been you know all the way down kind of this level here, which would have, would have made a a new one-month low, uh, not quite a, a three-month low, uh, but certainly a one-month low, and and now we're kind of right at the uh, you know the low from uh, in today's range, kind of from from uh, earlier in November. So just kind of keeping those things in mind, uh, reviewing the top end and the bottom end of the risk ranges and how they're they're uh, factoring in uh, and what they're kind of um, sort of quote quote uh, the probabilistic kind of predictability there, right? Uh, in terms of, you know, it's just math. They can go from the top end of the range to the bottom end of the, end of the range, uh, really overnight or intraday. So just kind of, again, keep that in mind as, as we move along here, um, and, and act accordingly. But really with, with those consolidation signals are, are really confirming are, or is, um, uh, that we're squarely in the chop bucket. Uh, you're seeing that in the, the VIX risk range again, kind of from, from weekend work to, to today, which is really what this, this show and this call is all about. Um, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, that's even just, it was a call out for me over the weekend and, and really over the last kind of two weeks, but, uh, but especially over the weekend. And then it's been kind of uh, squarely confirmed as, as we are, uh, midweek here with the VIX kind of top end, uh, well, well within 27 and, and really just kind of north of 26. Um, you know, the other, the other things too, obviously to be pointing out would be, you know, the pivots that are happening out there, right? So it's, uh, it's managing these pivots. Uh, so it's managing these consolidation, you know, how the range, risk ranges are consolidating, managing our expectations and kind of emotions there, uh, because we do see the, you know, the quad data that's rolling in, uh, Drago and Richie and, and, and Jonesy. Uh, put together a great macro show kind of reviewing the data across uh, across the world really um, and so you know, I'd highly recommend kind of going back and, and rewatching that and and uh, kind of taking some diligent notes there but uh, at the end of the day you know sometimes it's hard for us within head nation to um, have that data and see that data rolling in and, and understand what the next couple quarters can look like versus what the market is doing today right so I think just kind of, you know, trying to have balance both sides of the, of the brain and balance both, both the, 
um, kind of the here and now versus the the longer term, um, and and really just remembering that we've captured this full investing cycle uh, to date, right? So far, uh, certainly year to date, really really well. Um, and there's no real re- you know there's no reason to kind of you know try to force anything when the market's not not um, signifying kind of you know new lows and and the big uh, big you know breakdown to, uh, to to two new lows. So you know why why force it? Just sort of be patient. Uh, take what the market's given you and um, and execute, but but remember to execute accordingly, right? So you know there's a real time alert uh, that went out this morning on a core short that we've had on since Q1 of 2022, um, and and so again, I mean just going back to the wood on some of these core shorts, but then also staying patient on ones that uh, that either aren't quite at the top of the range or might just be um, you know kind of putting in um, a, a signal that that you know that that. A consolidating signal, right? So kind of just being patient to, for confirmation there. Um, but that's, uh, that's kind of the, what's on my brain right now. And then obviously on the pivots there, we've had a couple of big ones, uh, certainly what would be considered a, a more traditional kind of quad four asset allocations. And, and if you've been paying attention in the last week or so, that shouldn't surprise you. Uh, but a big call out for me today, which wasn't uh, highlighted because uh, on the macro show, since it was, um, uh, really focused on kind of, you know, more global macro data. Uh, would be the, uh, the the natty gas, right? So uh, natty gas turned turned bullish trend today um, on the on the on the signal, and uh, and and that's uh, yeah. So so that's really something to to be. I don't know. It's not even. I don't know if it's uh, be to be paying it. Well, certainly be paying attention to. Um, is there anything to act on that? Um, you know, not really sure. At least not at this point in time, uh, where we're kind of you know it's up close to the top end of the risk range. Um, but obviously, you know, that is a change and it's always important to kind of navigate through, you know, changes and, and updates, uh, to, uh, to signals and, and that kind of thing. So again, uh, keep in mind, uh, what's happening there. Uh, conversely, you know, on, on oil, you know, that put in some really big, um, lower, uh, lower lows, um, and lower highs today. Uh, and we're actually kind of near the, the low end of the risk range. So if you're, uh, I'd say if, if you're kind of short oil, um, I would certainly be, um, you know, kind of bringing it down. This is a great opportunity in the chop bucket. You got to remember to kind of, uh, you know, work incrementally and move that inventory, uh, from your min, min, mid maxes and, and back to the back down again. So, um, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's a, it's an interesting kind of, I guess, tale of two stories here with, with oil really confirming. Um, the bearish, you know, trading trend, whereas uh, Natty Gas has moved to bullish trend. So um, again, do I have to do anything with that? And, and no, uh, it's just something to be. Uh, con- we got other side asset management, who's uh, back in the house after being uh, Twitter suspended for about a week. So uh, welcome back, Mitchell. It's always uh, always a pleasure uh, to have you on the weekly notebook review. Yeah, man. Anything, uh, anything on your notebook that I uh, that I not necessarily missed, but just haven't quite covered yet? No, I think you went over most of it. I mean, we're, we're the big important guys are, you know, well, everything's important, but dollar is uh, dollar is is right there below trade, but above trend. So that's one that I'm keeping a very close eye on. Um, you know, as Keith always talks about, that is the one single indicator if he had to choose one, right? So, um, you know, it all, it, it, it seems, well, it seems like, 
lot of a lot of what's going on appears to be a very similar trade, um, but we do have those uh, we do have those um, uh, change in regime, as you suggest, or or as you uh, kind of put it that way. Uh, gold is starting to perk itself up. A lot of the quad four longs that would typically work in a uh, in a traditional quad four uh, are starting to work. So those are things that I'm looking to find myself into, but I'm doing my best to exercise patience as the fix is at the low end of the range. And a lot of them are at the top ends of their respective ranges. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm, I'm trying to be patient right now. And uh, I've made a few small little moves here and there, uh, but I, I am trying to be patient. I'm, my, my biggest problem is going uh, top to bottom or bottom to top quickly enough in my holdings. When things are at the bottom and the ranges get as close to my mins as possible relative to when they're at the top ends of the ranges, sell down to those mins, right? So uh, Yeah, and that's and listen, that's a it's squarely a reflection of, of the chop bucket, right? Uh we can go from, you know, twenty one on the VIX to twenty six on the VIX, you know, in, in a day and and it's kind of a tale of two two uh two stories, right? I know I've said that kind of uh t- twice now, but you know, I think that's the chop, right? It can really chop you up and so if you're either um you know you either kinda of have to decide whether or not you want to you kind of be on the sidelines a little bit before, you know, stepping back in or really taking action, or or if you do have the kind of wherewithal and capabilities of uh, of navigating and 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 trading the chop because uh, it's not for everybody, and I think that's a you know personal decision, right, in terms of you know what what you uh, what you're able to do and what you're capable of doing and what you're comfortable doing. Um, and so, well, so again, yeah. Well, a little bit a, a little bit less on the chop, more so on as uh, you and I off offline a, a couple of days ago talked about more so when the the vix is straddling a regime right when the vix is straddling a regime i need to take i need to give equal focus to both ends of the probability as opposed to just focusing on the top end right so uh you know when the vix was 20 you know 26 to 35 I'm still, I'm still focused on, was I, fo- I have to evaluate myself. Was I focused on 35 more than I was on, you know, 26 or 27. And then as the top end started to come down and the VIX fell below the F bucket, do you, where, how do you play that one a little bit more? Do you get a little bit less aggressive now that you're out of the, the, the F bucket for the day? Like, and if it's only a cup of coffee and it gets back into the F bucket, do you then uh, get more aggressive on it? Or do you uh, or I, I have to get better at playing that. But outside of that, just, you know, uh, you, you pretty much ran the bases. Awesome. Arthur, you jumped up. What uh, what's on your mind? Uh, hey, how you guys doing? Good. Doing well. Yeah, I just sent out a tweet. I'm irresponsibly short, high yield. <laughs> and um, so, and that was with the last RTA. So that just got me right there. So my, my uh, question, and I'm hoping maybe someone could give me uh, a comment on is, uh, based on their experience, what's the, you feel that is, has the best symmetry to uh, 
pair off your high yield or junk short against long? That's a good question. I don't have a back tested answer for that, Arthur. Um, so I can come back. I can come back to you. Trend Trend just jumped up, so I don't know if he does if he has one. But and, and I don't do in. I know Trend. I, I've talked to not talked to Trend, but I've listened to him before, and I didn't take his advice because I'm not as good as he is as far <laughs> going against some, you know, individual high yield stuff rather than the ETF itself. But I, I primarily work in the ETF space. Um, sure. That's what I'm comfortable with. So I'm looking to pair. I've, I've got some, obviously some longs against high yield, but I'm not uh, sure it's the best way to go. And that's kind of where I'm looking. Yeah. So sorry, Trent. Yeah. Do you have a kind of. Yeah. Real quick. So think of what, what your trade would work for and what would your trade work against, right? So JNK tends to rally whenever there's a risk on rally, like we are having some sort of a relief rally at the moment. Right. So if you want to have something long against it, because you are having an ETF which is fairly diversified, you'd want to have something which is high beta diversified uh, mm-hmm. against it uh, just to pair it up. Now, that is if you want to pair it up. But the true pairing from an alpha sense would be something which wouldn't fall as much as junk would fall uh, when you have the other way around too. So mm-hmm. you're not just thinking about, hey, what do I do when junk starts rallying against me or HYG starts rallying against me? Uh, you have to also think about what will fall less when mm-hmm. the uh, HYG or junk starts falling, right? So think of strengths in that sense, meaning typically in Quad 4, the portions of XLV and portions of XLP, which is staples, so staples or healthcare tends to work well. So if you have good signals on high beta healthcare and or uh, consumer staples names, then those might be uh, decent pairs because eventually when you start getting the slamming, uh, you know, you probably may have some support from the other factor, which is a sector factor for those names. So that's the only thing I could suggest in this specific aspect. But uh, I tend, when you say responsibly short, just curious, like, is it more than 5% of your portfolio? Is it more than 10% of your portfolio? What I'm, I'm right. I'm with today's ad, uh, and I'm already, um, uh, I've, I've got, even got the options on. So I'm, about, <laughs> so that's where, you know how uh, Keith typically, you know, I've been a course short, been holding it and it's been well, it's been working well. And then when it gets up here in this top end here, the last couple of days, and then I saw the, I saw today. You went, and I went. Oh God, I got to go a little bit more. So I went, I went. I'm there, you know, and I'm I'm kind of there. And I guess the part that makes me uh, a little uh, concerned is this old ball year end bullshit markup stuff that uh, seems to be going on no volume. And you know, you got to deal with that. It is what it is. So, um, and I'm already uh, long XLP XLV against it. Um, probably just got to get a little bit heavier into those as this and you know i'm not you know who knows maybe the year end maybe it'll get blown up by uh the cpi and powell on the 12th and the 13th who knows be nice but um especially if everyone gets on the wrong side before uh before then but um yeah for year end i mean just to make sure that we all are on the same page 2018 year and everybody kept saying the same thing yep i remember and, i was and, there and, and it just crashed man yeah when rates were being hiked right um so i think when we are comparing like for like we do need to 
think about it that way as well that okay there's a seasonality which is a headwind to you from because you're short right yeah. and then there's a uh, how much that seasonality would play in what would be the factors that would play in for that seasonality and then also keep watching the signal right like the price volume signal what what is it price volume volatility signal what is it suggesting right now price volume volatility signal is suggesting some sort of relief rally at the moment so that that's where it would be important to have both long short portfolio right uh, not just a short portfolio so long would be you know definitely on rta there are some longs that are suggested but you can also find several longs that are out there which are working well within the staple sector within the healthcare sector you know for my my you know my portfolio has longs on the healthcare names bunch of them gilead i had take, taken it up primarily for dividends but yeah giving yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. bdx uh, tom's uh, bdx been working out good the last few days and there you a go a few of his longs inside there can i ask a, a, another question robert go, go for yeah it. yeah well um, i don't know if you've covered it i came in a little late um How are the signals looking as far as I saw in the early look the consolidation of the dollar um in the narrowing of the range and it's a bullish trend but boy it it seems so heavy in here I'm wonder if, and I know this is you know narrative bullshit we don't know but it seems almost like there's some intervention going on somewhere to to hold this thing down I don't know if anyone's got any knowledge or any comments on the dollar Arthur you've you've said two big narrative driven comments I right know, there I in, know. The la- in the last 10 minutes man uh just forget about it right like hold my beer there. anyway but the well it's at the, the low it's at the low end of the range it's bullish trend I the- mean it's not quite there right it says 10551 is that low end so it's only at 10641 so again i mean what i so what what what's transpired would you what hopefully everyone's seen in the dollar in the last sort of week or two is that that the top end of the range um has has down. has come down right and yep. so and it's come down from what had been you know making you know close to other certainly it w- would have been making if we got to the top end you know one month highs uh and and it was pretty darn close to three month highs right so yep. the the shift there and now it's suggesting that we'd actually be making if we get to the low end aka 10551 uh that would be new one month and three month lows from a, just a price standpoint uh, itself right so um you know we're we're bearish trade and bullish trend um so you know this is a you know it's it's tough when it gets in the, into that environment um but uh, at the same same time this is where we you know overlay the quad you know models and and the nowcast and and we 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 you know and and and, and we kind of um suspect right or certainly you know the signal again the fact that it's, it remains a bullish trend means that it hasn't broken down and and you know we we shouldn't kind of cut cut that those ties but if you are a macro pro subscriber you would have seen yesterday keith you know took down um the uep exposure and and you know in conjunction with kind of macro stuff like that you know so he's uh, he's down at although it's still his you know biggest overall position it's down at his at his minimums um so you know i think that that's you know when you're kind of combining um the different product sets and stuff like that you get a bit better feel and understanding for certainly what what Keith Keith coach is doing in the moment um and and you know what i'd say is that that that's kind of a direct correlation to what the signal is um obviously you know telling him and that's that it's not as strong as it had been and therefore you know you, you don't want to cut bait in terms of you know because it has a broken trend right so you don't want to cut bait in regards to 
uh, completely getting it out of the portfolio, but certainly you, you want to kind of take it down to, uh, you know, close to whatever your minimum sizing would be. And then, um, and then kind of see how, uh, how the kind of signal acts and, and or the, the kind of asset kind of, uh, uh, works itself out over, over the next few days. I mean, you know, the, the, the flip side of that, it would be kind of the euro, um, and the great, you know, the, the, the British pound. Uh, and then you've got kind of the, the Canadian dollar that we obviously, you know, get on a daily basis. Um, you know, the, the euro and, and British pound, you know, have been kind of, you know, putting in, uh, new, you know, higher highs, uh, right. And, and, and the Canadian dollars kind of been trading sideways. So, you know, out of that, you know, uh, bucket, you know, we, we think, you know, from a quad standpoint and, and Drago went through this or, or Richie did today, um, just about Europe and stuff like that. Right. It's, um, you know, Europe remains a core, a core short and, and that kind of thing. But, uh, right now the euro is kind of acting, the signals acting a little bit more different. So I think it's managing the kind of immediate term versus the longer term outlook and, and kind of staying, staying patient and, and picking your spot. Hey Robert, real quick. Yeah. Thank you. Bert. Real quick on the dollar. Yeah. Uh, you and I talked about it the other day and I can't find it in my notes for whatever reason. Uh, one Oh five low one Oh fives is trend. One oh three one oh three I think, but I be sorry, man. A uh, phone call came in. Uh was that trend? You're looking for trend? Yeah. Yeah, one oh three spot two six. Okay. But one oh yeah, but trade is okay. up at one oh nine. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, and again, that's uh, that's that that data is a little stale. That was yep, last yep. week. That was last Wednesday before the notebook review. So that's uh, that's a week old. So I don't have the updated number number. That's cool. Key. At the same time, uh, updated Macro Pro shows uh, a little bit active in UUP for those that didn't catch it. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that re rank yet. It came in kind of as I was jumping on, yep. so I haven't seen that re rank yep. yet. I I didn't hear that active in what other I didn't hear. It was active in UUP, but I don't want to give it a don't oh, oh, okay. to Macro Pro. That's up to Robert. Yeah, I've only got a leak pass, you guys. I can't. I'm not big sure oh. you guys, so <laughs> Stop I don't have it. all that uh, Yeah, but I mean, listen, it's uh, but it does help, right, Arthur, in terms of understanding what's, what's transpiring on a, on a daily basis. So, um, but yeah, man. Oh, I want to get there. <laughs> My wife won't let yeah, me. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, I mean, listen. That, that but but again, like that signal had been it had been. If you're kind of writing it down and following it along over the last week or two, it, it should have been relative. Not, I won't say totally apparent, but it, it should be it should be something that you're noticing, right? So whether you do anything with it, that's up to you. But you know that that lower like the lower highs and the dollar. You know, I think a week ago. Um, what was it? We could go. We were sitting at uh, 113.45, right? Yep. So big difference. We're, yep. we're basically $2 lower, uh, oddly enough. It's 111 spot 45 today. So, you know, that's a huge difference from if you're seeing my screen here, you can you can see, uh, you know, that, that 145 would have been putting in a new one month high um, a week ago. And, and now, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, it'd be a, a lower high, right? So again, you know, just kind of keeping track of what that signal is telling you. Uh, right now, that's just consolidation. So really that, that can be, um, that, that can be, or kind of traditionally can, can, can uh, signal kind of more of a bullish uh, standpoint, right? Volatility is coming out of that asset class. 
and that attracts, you know, dollars towards that asset class. Now, um, you know, is that going to attract it here um, at 106.45 or closer to the low end of the range at 105.51? We shall see. But I think, you know, it's a, a, again, that's a core long position and and one to kind of risk manage accordingly with, uh, you know, with, um, you know, as the signal shifts and and that kind of thing. But um, yeah. Hi, Robert. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Robert. Absolutely, buddy. Thank you. Hi, well, Hi, Robert. Welcome. My name's Pence77, and I wanted to just give everybody a little uh, a little heads up. Um, I've been trading for 32 years. Um, I don't trade commodities anymore, um, other than I, I do uh, buy puts on Bitcoin. Sure. But um, um, I, uh, I think what people should really take a look at is the OTC market right now. In 2008, um, I had a, a horrible year. In 2009, I had the best year of my career. I, I, I have attracted the very, very risk-on assets. Um, so I've been playing the LTC as kind of my secondary income for the last uh, 32 years. And um, the, the year following uh, a bearish trend, usually you'll get uh, some overflow of money that will come out of the, will come out of the retail uh, NASDAQ and, and head into the OTC in an effort to find percentage gain. So, so hang um, on, hang on. PM, are you saying to go long OTC at this moment? Yes, I am. I would very, go very long OTC. Okay, so I think, yeah. I mean, we have discussed this in one of our prior sessions that we would probably be doing it after we have reached the end of the quad four signal. So we don't go just purely by uh, what's happening, running headline to headline in the market. We tend to have a combined approach of macro and the combination of uh, price volume volatility so are you aware of what this group is about in general Pam? I, I just take it like I'm, I'm very interested very interested I okay. just uh, okay. so I, I did, I did so well in, in, in 2009 uh, yeah, trading on my on my hunch I'm, and uh, I, 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 nev- I, I never had a better year since so That's awesome, I would man. really listen. I, yeah. I'm really happy. I'm really happy for you, Pam. But um, we stick with the data, and and that helps uh, drive our asset allocation. So, um, you know, I'm going to just kind of respectfully, you know, uh, you know, kind of uh, take you down as a speaker. Uh, but I wish you a very happy Thanksgiving and and a good holiday. And I and I hope uh, trading the OTC continues to work out for you, buddy. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, so Trent, um, you came up and jumped right in to answer our question, but uh, you know, I don't know, or if you and Jimmy, if there's anything, um, you know, Jimmy, yeah, you get your hand up, all right, buddy, let's uh, let's rock. Yeah, good morning, good morning. Um, no, I think you covered a lot of the bases. In fact, I was talking to, to Leslie and a few other VHI people before the weekly notebook review, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get a better sense of how. Keith comes with his real-time alert signals. I think, Trent, you've even talked about him as kind of more of a exhaustion-type trader uh, when he looks at breakouts and, you know, price volume volatility. When there's a lot of volume, it works great. Uh, and then on these kind of holiday weeks and when there's very illiquid conditions in the market, um, I think there's just as many trapped bears as there are trapped bulls, you know, with different time durations. So it's interesting to see, you know, over the months and years, when I hear Keith saying, hey, you got to come in and come out, especially in the chop bucket, you got to be quicker. Um, you know, just look at his Home Depot trade, right? Like, it's it's uh, 
it is kind of gnarly because uh, some of the other people I'm looking at on Twitter too that have different durations that use different signals, they were buying HYG. There was a breakout at 7450. They were buying XLI this morning prior to the short. So it's it's a matter of duration and it's a matter of, you know, how long can you hold on and definitely position sizing. Uh, um, so it gets more and more complicated. <laughs> I don't really know the ins and outs deeply, but uh, I'm learning. So I think on a week like this or when you have this kind of bear market rally, um, you know, if, if all, and this is my narrative part, like Powell after his, you know, he shot that reporter down and he's like, hey, I'm going to have to hike. Um, if all we could get to was like the mid 3700s, like what's going to take us back down to 36? Uh, I think that's where a lot of the, the, the macro bear allocation, you know, I'm waiting for that, you know, the holiday season, I'm waiting for the, the earnings recession to really kick in. But it has been interesting that like, you know, the, the buy the dip continues and every successive quarter this year, it seems like, I'll say seems, but some of these, you know, fang earnings, um, one Q is the worst. 4Q and 1Q, you know, the names are down 20 something percent. And outside of the idiosyncratic pukes, there's been a lot of short covering. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how this winter unfolds just intellectually. You know, I'm still very hedged in my portfolio right now. Um, definitely short in a lot of different ways, kind of spreading my wings, but, um, you know, <laughs> nothing's for certain. Uh, but don't have a lot of other observations. I'm actually just surprised that Bitcoin has held up so well. You know, I think there's definitely some psychology behind that. But um, anyway, that, that's all I have right now. Yeah, Mike T jumped, just jumped up before I pass you the baton there, buddy. Uh, you know, it was only a short 10 days ago that we were putting in, um, you know, certainly on, on the NASDAQ, uh, you know, pretty pretty darn close totally. to, 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 you know, Certainly, one month lows, right? And and so isn't that wild? You know, it was ten yeah, days it's only ago. been it's only been ten days ago. So I think I think just kind of keeping everything in uh, in perspective, right? Um, and we're and so anyway, but uh, but Mike, you know, appreciate you jumping up. Uh, hopefully, you're feeling a little bit better from from uh, battling the COVID. Yes, no, I got the. Awesome. I'm still coughing. It's been <laughs> yeah. like six, seven weeks. It's an absolute disaster. But. Yeah. Uh, but I was and, able to get out to go to Vegas last week with my son. To, to that's race. awesome, man. That, that was just—I uh, was about to just uh, send you a huge congrats. I saw the announcement the other day. Yeah, um, congratulations. He's, he's moving up to the car, so that's unbelievable, buddy. Yep. Um, huge, huge congrats. It's funny, um, you know, you don't realize this, but you interview to, uh, oh, to go on a race car team. So he has been interviewing since the summer. In um in cars, they basically go you, they time you, they track you, they see how fast you advance, and they look right. at your racing resume, and they do all this and you know an inspection, kick the tires big time. It's really fascinating. Um, anyway, yeah, it's wonderful news. Thank you so much, and uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun. I'll keep you posted on how it goes. Oh, absolutely! I can't wait so, to come to a live event. <clears throat> so, guys, I want you to know, positioning panic has happened. Uh, vanilla retard positioning panic has happened. Pull up Penske Automotive, pull up Ulta, pull up Pharma, all of Pharma, doesn't matter. Even if ones that, and, and I can't really pick out specific ones because, you know, I have a fund that I, I do tend to in that space. Uh, but there are some that, 
that have had, you know, up 20% or so on the year in pharma that literally have 50% of their revenues going generic between here and 2028. And they're at all time highs. And it's because of the flows. People, you know, the vanilla uh, investors don't know, don't care. It's all about positioning for certainty. And what I wanted to point out is that that positioning for certainty is at the nth of extreme. We are at the zenith. We are at the apex of absolute pain where they don't know why they're there. They're missing it. They're in total panic mode. Got to be there. Got to be overweight. Got to be sized. Can't be in whatever else it is that's cyclical. This is usually what happens before a real recession hits. And and you've been commenting on the dip and that the dip has kept being bought and kept being bought and kept being bought. And I'm going to tell you when it stops because I know because I've seen it twice now in my career. It stops when jobless claims go up. That's when it stops. When retail gets really worried because either they're getting fired or they know somebody is getting fired. And we're on the cusp of that. We're starting to see it creep up, and I expect a meaningful increase in jobless claims in the new year after a week uh, holiday season. So, but 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 then we have everyone gets excited on interest rates, of course, you know, because oh, the Fed can pivot now, and that issue is the Fed's not going to be able to probably do anything until the back half of the year, like into the back half of the year. So we have this very very large air pocket, and that's what I've been worried about this whole time is the air pocket where the Fed can't do anything in the economy tanks and credit blows up and, 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 and the Fed, I had a lot of discussions over the past two weeks on what the Fed is going to do. And the Fed is at a crossroads here because the administration, this White House has demonstrated that it will forever engage in modern monetary theory, simply dumping stimmy checks on the public in order to buy votes literally until there are torches and pitchforks on the lawn of the central bank and we will we will engage in total hyperinflation now this is exactly what has happened in japan for the past 35 years where they will uh, they essentially have a one-party system which is exactly what you know every party here wants a one-party system that has uh basically raided the cookie jar for 35 years of printing money and modern monetary theory paying off the people and then everything's fine until one year their currency drops by 40%. This is that year for Japan. And this is the beginning of incredible pain. And it's very, very difficult to determine what that year is going to be and how it is going to happen, especially with very, very large economies engaged in this modern monetary theory. But this White House has put a giant bomb on the face of Powell. And they are basically saying, good luck, brother, because we're going to totally ruin it. And meaning that we will force you to go Japan, where you cannot find the buyer of the economy of, uh, of our treasuries. It doesn't exist. And you will have to print in order to permanently suppress the yield curve and destroy the currency. And that's what they're really pressing this Fed to do. I don't think this Fed is going to play ball. I believe that this Fed knows it and they are steadfast, believe it or not. And and the reason why they're steadfast is we saw it in 2018. We saw a glimmer of that steadfast inflation sensitivity in 2018. 
And right now, it is so serious and that if he does not crash this economy in order to find a buyer for the U.S. Treasury, a natural buyer, we will be Japan. And if we are Japan, and this is the strategic issue that the White House doesn't understand, because I literally believe that the people in the White House are not American. They are something else. They are not American. They do not understand that it is that very attractive treasury bond behind a currency that is actually responsible, meaning fiscally, that gives us the ability to have our military. Because we are essentially borrowing money from the world to fund the biggest, most powerful military, which is essentially the contract police. That's what they are. They police the world to engage in contract law so that deals are recognized and honored. And that's what our military is really all about, is contract law. And that, so in a long-winded way, that is the battle that is going on right now between the Fed and the White House. And if the Fed gives in and doesn't crash this economy, we will turn into Japan and not be able to afford that military. And that will be the absolute undermining, undermining of America. All right, Mike has dropped. On to the next. Hey, hey, Mike, before you drop your mic, how come or, or can you give me some thoughts of yours as to why the Fed, if they need a natural buyer for treasuries, why they don't just reduce the interest rate that they're paying on RRP and get some of the banks to actually buy them with that money as opposed to just have it sit on their balance sheet? That's not the buyers we need. That's so your thinking. That's how Europe works. Okay. Right? Europe essentially pays the banks to buy all the debt. So it's essentially all internalized into one gigantic debt bomb. We need foreigners to buy our debt. That's what lends the credence to our uh, fiscal responsibility, is foreigners buying the debt because our debt is more attractive than their debt. Gotcha. The moment that ends is the moment we can't have a military. And believe me, that's what China wants. That's how that's how it uh, I mean, that's how our uh, our situation gets completely dismantled. So let's keep that in your mind. I'm a little upset. Nobody talks about it or but but hey, that's what this notebook review is for. It's for people to hear things they never heard before. Right. Now that I want to jump out a window. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Oh, by the way, I'm long. I'll tell you what I just did. I'm sorry. Most important thing for your notebook reviewers, believe it or not, somehow, like I just got so goddamn long during this, um, this squeeze that we had because I knew that it was going to be the nastiest unwind ever. And I came into this that Thursday and Friday of the biggest unwind I've literally ever seen in my career. And I came in 100 to 120% net long, and I made zero, just FYI. So my shorts were literally up more than twice my longs the entire way. And I literally made zero, 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 zero. And I was just thinking to myself, what I had to do to make zero in a hedged book was absolutely insane and something I could never put that position on if I was in one of the pod shops. And the pods fired so many PMs. It's astonishing how many got blown out in the past two weeks. 
from and it's been Finns, uh, TMT, that's Tech Media Telecom, and uh, consumer books largely. Not so much healthcare, though there have been a handful of confirmed nasty blowups. So that's what's been going on, and that's why we're seeing a lot of disruption. So far as redemptions, um, I am estimating, um, and when I say I'm estimating, it's actually with a lot of data that's not out there. So I think we're going to see 15% redemptions across the board uh, for most hedge funds. Uh, not the pod shops, they've actually done well, but I'm saying some of these gunslinger hedge funds, 15% for the quarter. And I believe it's going to get, it's going to accelerate in the front half of next year. Uh, the privates have still not been marked down. They are still held up. They need to be marked down substantially as of 1Q, uh, so January, I assume. Uh, so that's when we'll really see some performance getting whacked. Um, I think, so do these privates, aren't some of the larger financial companies' books exposed to a certain degree? So be it like the insurance companies or, insurance you know, company, that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course they are. <clears throat> of course they are. So do you have and that's a why we're seeing of... redemptions? I'm seeing redemption because um, I, I mean I'm seeing it now where a lot of these pensions, pension funds especially, you know they got involved with these privates, but they have a mandatory capital call that can be called upon them, and right. they they've gotten that call uh, in many cases and have had to liquidate their hedge fund positions to buy into the privates because it's required. And that's like, this is all part of it, the scrounging for money, and they're looking for liquidity. And this is why the hedge funds are starting to get whacked. So how I'm set up <clears throat> right now, I'm super sized long the 10-year. You guys remember me talking about it, and I apologize. I was on hedge. I was like, the only bet is the 10-year. And I apologize. I was literally like five weeks too early. So... Uh, so, but I'm there, I'm there in size, uh, and uh, I crossed, uh, I'm, I'm up about 150-something uh, this year, which is good. I mean, super good. That's crazy good. I usually only do 20 to 30%, but there's just been so many opportunities, it's it's ludicrous. And how I'm set up right now is that I've basically gone up across the board, and I'm short a lot of these peaky uh, defensive names that are just been marked up to the moon going into year end, because they don't know what to do. And uh, the probability of that persisting into January is extremely improbable. And I am uh, materially long um, healthcare in general, but very specifically, uh, I look, I, I, I'm okay. How I'm set up is that I am long in size the fund that I manage. And I don't think I'm allowed to say what that fund is because this is not an actual call, but all of you can look up my name and see the fund that I manage, and that is what I am involved in on the long side, <clears throat> largely. So, yeah, I have a super conservative book on, you know, where I'm size long treasuries, long uh, certain selective defensives, and, uh, you know, like today I'm size long uh, John Deere. I have no idea how that doesn't continue to persist in the front half of next year. Um and then, of course, I'm long a handful of uh, speculative small caps in size. And you, you guys may know what those are. It's uh, PCT and Freyer, F-R-E-Y. And those are my very large uh, speculative small cap names um, that I'm involved right, Nothing on the semis or home builders. We had an interesting number that short home builders, is 32. Short home builders, short everything associated with home building. Um, I semis? Think 
What's that? And then semis, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't really have a position in semis because in my experience, when jobless claims start to ramp and the, the CapEx implodes and all that stuff, all this stuff gets destroyed. That's what happens. I mean, you get a real classic recession and this is what people own still. So I, I think, I think they're, you know, I'm just not there. I don't get it. I'm also a bit short energy now. Not, wait, let me rephrase it. I'm a bit short oil. I'm a bit long everything else. So you talk, um, <clears throat> you mean like the underlying commodity, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I actually own yeah. it through uh, uh, stocks rather than commodities. I hate trading commodities. Oh, and I'm, I'm also size, no, but like you're, size you're short. short sorry. You're short oil, meaning so you're short oil through underlying commodities have that have oil exposure, or through no, like just for, like for you, stocks. Okay, got it. That have exposure. Got it. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, because that way you can get geographic about it, and you know, yeah, and, yeah. and actually pick on you know balance sheet and all that stuff. So I I generally like to have my commodity trades manifest through stocks. So. That's my take. Is it, do you guys know, is Stork going to blow up in December? Because I, they're in this grace period, and I have no idea how they get out of it. Which one? Oh, for MPW. I don't know if you guys are following it. but Yeah, yeah, yeah. we are following it. So, yeah, I mean, currently there's no additional intel other than the fact that the December uh, Catalyst event is uh, in place. There's some uh, rumors on the street that... Uh, MPW might throw in one more shenanigan, one more last act in order to uh, skip that uh, eventuality uh, for for that time and just kick it down the road. So kick the can down the road. Okay, okay. Because yeah, I've been watching this and I I, got, I came to the conclusion. I like I understand their business now. Their business is just to pay them and their cronies for building all these hospitals and all this shit and just pay themselves extremely well and run this thing into the absolute <laughs> ground and just keep it going as long as it can. And then when it blows up, oh, well, restructure and do it again. I'm not kidding, because if you look at what they're paying themselves, they don't own the stock. They don't freaking care. There's just this no. is just a game where they're just, you know, and they're capitalizing on kind of like inner city sick uh infrastructure desperate communities and they're just they're just uh basically excising uh, incredible funds from them at uh, elevated rates and it's all scams they're all collaborating together to do the same thing and it's essentially like really really screwing the cities that are desperate to begin with and paying themselves enormous amounts of money and giving loans to themselves through the company That's it. yeah re i mean re a total it. scam Rewrite had a good update uh, post the West Coast NAREIT conference um, late last week. So if uh, if you haven't seen that, Mike, maybe uh, I'd take a quick yeah, look. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't. I've been in bed for like six weeks. So No, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Um, I can get the guys to send it over to you as well. All right. Yeah. Um, sorry, there was, uh, when you were talking... Uh, deer, uh, sorry. Um, yeah, deer. Great, great quarter. Like obviously, uh, markets liking their their quarter, the earnings that came out. Um, yeah, this is this has been all year. This has been a um, uh, a top. It's about twelve percent of my book. Okay. Uh, so maybe thirteen, fourteen. Uh, so it's pretty sized. You know, m my longs are generally. You know, people think I trade wildly, and 
and I do trade a lot, but my long positions, uh, generally speaking, I own them for unbelievably long periods of time, frequently years and years and years, and I'll trade around them, but I'll own them. I'll bring new ones in and take some out, but my high conviction long ideas, like deer, uh, I will own for an extremely long time. And, and you look at it, it's up 28% in a year that, you know, most things are down and, you know, just do the deer versus zoom spread or whatever. And that's kind of like my year in a nutshell or, you know, deer versus wayfair. That, that, that's kind of, I have a lot of, look, I have a lot of shorts that are down 70 to 90% now and, and a handful. And I, I haven't gotten them all right. Like my PCT is down 30% on the year, but that's okay when you have shorts that are down 70. So it's uh you can do all right uh, so the thing with deer deer's going to keep going as you know this is a monopoly they have a monopoly a monopoly on technology on equipment on servicing almost uh it is it is it is one of the greatest businesses ever and and uh, the the biggest problem for deer moving forward is that the cost of capital for the farmers have gone up materially and the the catch is it's kind of like the chicken or the egg which is funny because it's a farmer uh, the chicken or the egg. Um, <clears throat> oh, here's your dad joke, chicken or the egg. Okay. <laughs> Why did the toilet paper not cross, not cross the road? <laughs> I don't know. It got stuck in a crack. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's like the double laugh, right? Um, <clears throat> all right. So, so deer, deer's got that problem with the cost of capital of the farmer. So the, the farmer's going to have real cost of capital issues going, uh, for the year. Uh, and what people don't realize is that's going to hurt yields pretty bad at a time when pricing is through the goddamn roof. So I, I think we're going to see like unbelievably painfully high food costs next year. And, and it's, it's really, it's kind of three things or four, if you will, seed fertilizer, uh, ultra expensive equipment, crazy expensive financing, crazy expensive. And lastly, total disaster, diesel, diesel fuel through the roof. And it is a huge cost. So these, and this is worldwide, the capital that's going to be required for the farmers to get to their yield is scary just fyi so deer's going to be okay because they literally have one to two years of backlog at any price so you know they're going to be fine net net because people have already budgeted a year for, ago for the crap they're buying that will be buying next year uh but the the issue is i'm really worried about food prices for 2023 and beyond extremely worried I don't know how we get out of this. Yeah, I remember you, you, you that was a core uh, subject matter of your topic at Hedge Our Live, um, was around food inflation and, and stuff like that. And, uh, and things really haven't changed even six months later. Worse. It's, it's, yeah. it's much worse. It's yeah. much worse. And I'm, I'm really, really worried about it globally. So yeah. we already, we're going to have after this summer now, we're already going to have food problems coming into next year. And then, and it's just going to accelerate. This is a multi-year event, and uh, you know the Fed can only look at this and be like, "Oh crap." So, uh, on the inflation front, because we didn't get to talk about it, there are a lot of encouraging signs uh, using the metrics that the Fed will look at, 
And that's the rental rate. Of, well, let me rephrase that. It's just rents. Like rents, pricing on rents has rolled a little bit. And that makes for really good comps. You know, energy has basically been held in largely because of the SPR drain. And, uh, and it looks like wage growth is, I mean, basically the Fed is getting, you know, what they want slash need. And a lot of it's going to be performed by the comps. Uh, but, but at issue is there's still incredible inflationary things that are like right outside the door. Like if the Fed doesn't drill us into a real problem um, and we do have it, what they call a soft landing, inflation is just going to come roaring back. And as you know, take a look at the Treasury now. The Treasury is now funding themselves at 4% plus, and they can not do that, period. They need to be at like three, and even three is bad. So they, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Where I think the Fed might, people will be like, the Fed is off the rails. They're making a terrible mistake. And that's only if you think in the very short term and you think through the guise of stocks or the, the lens of stocks. They're making a terrible mistake for companies and stocks. But for the Treasury, which is their real job, is to make them look solvent, they're doing the right thing by drilling the economy. So I think we're going to be at this amazing um, sort of crossroads here within the next two months. And it might be starting in December. Well, yeah, we'll see it in December or January where the inflationary things are going down. Everyone's looking for a giant pivot. And the Fed's like, yeah, no, not at all. None of that. And that's because they actually need to get the 10-year down to like 2.7. And then after that, we, you know, when you have a real recession and, you know, because we'll have a huge inverted yield curve at that time, then, they, then they'll get the short end of the yield curve down because it'll be obvious that they're going to pivot because the economy, because we have 6 7% unemployment. So, Mike, have you looked in this kind of setup and this kind of scenario at things like, you know, that there's these small, relatively less liquid uh, names like AGNC, right, Agnico, or then there's another one called, uh, there's an ETF called CMBS. Um, some of these names, they look like they would get marked down further because of the scenario or situation that you're depicting. Have you ever thought of getting, you know, I don't even know what this company is. What is it? What do they do? Agnico? I'm sorry, like Remember, I'm a troglodyte. I'm like a novice at this shit. <laughs> so, yeah, so I don't CMBS, even know what it is. No worries. What, what so, CMBS is an ETF that actually gives you access to CMBS. Okay. Yeah. And so commercial mortgage-backed securities have been a problem right now, right, for a while. Um, yeah. So, let's start with that one. Do you have any thoughts? Because utilizations have actually really come under and pricing is not that great in that uh, sector uh, from both comp perspective as well as from uh, actual why, money making Well, that's fascinating, but why don't you just buy $100 million of uh, the 10-year and beyond? Got it. So be right? Because you're saying that eventually uh, this is going to basically just happen anyway, so uh, just focus on the high probability setup of the 10-year. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's like crazy liquid, and you can be levered like 50 to 1. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the goddamn trade. And and I don't know. And the other one, the trade, my oh God, I even hate saying it. <laughs> I'm like, long the yen. Oh, I can't even say it. 
Because it gets every bone in your body, right? Yeah, it's like diarrhea coming out my nose. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so there's like, and I can't bring myself. I I literally, I can't. I can't bring. So, so one other thing, and I was talking to Keith about this the other day, and he immediately called me. So they got, they got new guy that's not Kuroda in Japan, by the way. And this is the problem with new guy. New guy is going to have an idea that's different than the old guy. Now, we may come around to the same conclusion where they just print money forever. But new guy is saying, we can't do this. We're not in an emergency anymore. We shouldn't be printing like this. And that's what he's saying. If he comes out there and he says that, like, at the microphone as the new head of the BOJ, you are going to see the biggest, fastest claps in assets ever. Like, kaboom, daisy chain bed shit. Just absolute insanity just japanese assets or global assets oh it'll be japan for about a hot second and then it'll be everything because the entire world is tied to a japanese 10 year that is free yeah they jump in to buy our uh, our treasuries too right because they want more yield and their insurance companies also jump in over here to buy uh, a whole bunch of rates, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, they say if they're going to let it go, and uh, even to a little bit, little bit, and interest rates go up to, let's go crazy in Japan, say interest rates go to 1%, it's a total three-alarm cataclysmic disaster. But that would be a headwind to your U.S. tenure, uh, US tenure thesis, no? <clears throat> no, because the entire world will blow up like you can't possibly imagine, and everyone will buy the tenure, because there'll be nothing left to buy. So you may get disruption, but just watch that because that's one where the yen will go parabolic up and and nobody's trying. And even, you know, our good friend, uh, well, I won't say, I won't name names, but some of the very influential people out there uh, called me up because I said this and they said, that's not what's going to happen. They're going to cave. They're going to totally cave and keep printing money. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. But there might be three weeks where they don't, or one week when they don't, and it won't matter. You will see markets absolutely get shellacked like you can't believe. Um, so just keep that in the back of your mind on the uh, BOJ. Because new guy has singing a different tune than the old guy, and everyone's going to hate it. Because they everyone likes free money forever. Yeah, I mean, and for taking back kind of the notebook for a minute, it's the the uh, you know big lower high on uh, on the USD JPY uh, both day over day and, and week over week, right? So that came in at one one forty six spot seven seven. It was one forty eight spot oh one yesterday, and uh, one fifty one spot nine three a week ago. So you know, it's a, it's a higher low as well. So that came in the low end, came in, um, came you in know, it's, it's, so that's chart, con- you buy the crap it's, out of this chart. It's, it's consolidation, but yeah, it's, um, yeah. but yeah, it's, it, it definitely. No, this chart, this chart looks like Baxter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They pull up Baxter. <laughs> B-A-X, you guys pull it up on your Bloomberg. Oh my God, it is the same chart. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Awesome. So, we, got a couple que- we got a couple questions out in the um, in the universe there, uh, Michael. So let me let me uh, go to Raj first. Sure. And, and then we'll go to Lucina. Oh. 
Hey, Rush. Welcome. Yeah. Hey, Robert. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. Um, happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you guys, too, and everybody out there. Um, actually, Mike just threw a lot of stuff out there, and I had a couple of questions. <laughs> so, just thinking about this, I mean, uh, would you go more long than short till end of the quarter, or end of the year, I should say, and then go more short than long starting the new year? Is that something that you would, is that a reasonable way to think about it? And the other thing, if Japanese uh, yen is going to go up, that means the dollar would go down, correct? And when do you foresee that? It's already happening. Okay. Okay. So you, oh, sorry, Rush. Yep. yep. So, uh, so would, uh, the first question, would, would you go more long than short on, uh, on stocks? Or? Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. Um, I just bought a crap load of uh, puts on the queues <clears throat> for the Fed mm -hmm. Wednesday. And okay. Because I think he still has to come out swinging. And he's going to do the same song, and everyone thinks it's going to be like, oh, he's going to pivot. No, we have to stay vigilant. He's going to stay where, say words like that. You know, expect a lot more where that came from. Crap like that. And because uh, he really needs to tank this economy pretty bad, and it's not happening. Okay. So cool. this is mid-December, right, Michael? When is it? Yeah, it's uh, 14 December or 15 December. Talking? And then CPI is just a day before uh that. That's what I bought. So, all right, remember, six weeks COVID. All right. CPI, who Well, C actually, CPI is going to be encouraging. Yeah, um, for CPI and then the Fed. Oh, it's yes. one after the other, it day after day, yep. 13, okay. 14, isn't it? Sorry, what I did was I, I did a bunch uh, for the Fed. Right. Um, and I might be a little, I'm a little bit early on it. So, I did a calendar, I did a calendar spread, so I didn't pay so much for it. So what I basically did was sell uh, the week before and then buy the week after. So I'm, I'm helping to offset the, the cost of the uh, the theta. Does that make sense? I yep. do that a lot around events, whereas I'll sell the vol before and then buy the vol after. So I, it, it kind of offsets. And sometimes I get it wrong, you know, where I end up missing the entire trade because crap moves in front of it. But uh, but it does. It keeps my keeps my cost down because right now, honestly, options are so expensive. I don't know where this VIX is getting off. Luchino, welcome. Hey, welcome, guys. Uh, hello, guys. Um, happy yeah. Thanksgiving. Uh, thank um, you very much. Long time we'll, listener, but first time speaker. I appreciate that very much. Um, hopefully, Mike Taylor can join us in, in a minute. And, and very sorry for my uh, mistake there. I accidentally. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened actually. So, uh, it's, um, but we'll, uh, we'll get things back up and running here. And then, uh, was your question, you know, I think your question was a bit geared towards, uh, Taylor though. Which, well, I don't know. It's actually to everyone because. Okay. Let, 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 more, let's rock and roll with your question then. We, we can get the ball rolling. Uh, it's more like, because I'm hearing a lot of people speak about the Santa Claus rally and about what is happening in the narrative and in the space right now. But does it make sense uh, to push books end of year because it increases taxes while next year could be worse than this year? And what about tax sell loss? And I had a second question, uh, which is 
what catalyst would be uh, would make the VIX go back up to the F bucket um, if inflation keeps going down? We hear Keith talk about uh, the GDP. So could it be that the focus is shifting from inflation to GDP and to recession instead of inflation coming down? So I can, uh, uh, trend here, I can try to address both of them based on what my view is. So first one is you asked about tax sale or tax loss sale, right? Tax loss sale definitely happens because, uh, uh, and the way it manifests itself is typically companies which are significantly down for the year, unless there's a major catalyst news-wise or otherwise, they tend to keep drifting lower and lower and lower. So, and that starts happening somewhere from around middle of November all the way up to the end of December because RIAs um, have a fiduciary responsibility to advise their customers that, hey, uh, you should try to do tax loss harvesting in order to make, uh, you know, uh, make, make this beneficial for you. So tax loss harvesting definitely happens. Uh, the worst uh, affected stocks by this are... Uh, especially for, say, uh, when you take the Russell 2000, find out relatively less liquid, but anything which has more than 0.1% exposure to Russell 2000. And if there's an ETF outflow, right now, if you look at it for the last one month, there has been an ETF inflow of about, uh, actually just month to date in November, we had more than $114 billion, $114 billion worth of inflow for the ETFs. And what that means is that any such tax loss harvesting that was going to manifest itself has kind of gotten slightly uh, washed away. And this is not uh, money sitting on the sidelines. This is potentially some of the money that, or this is some of the aspect that Jimmy was also saying, right? Hey, there's a buy the dip going on. Every time it goes down, people try to buy the dip. But the biggest buy the dipper, right? Marco Kolanovic from JP Morgan Asset Management who, who used to be a quant head and now he's kind of more on their advisory side of the house, not for retail, not for their wealth management, but more for the asset management, more, more for the institutional. He completely capitulated and said he was having actually a year end target of 4,800 or more on the S&P 500. Uh, I actually respect that fellow, generally speaking, but not specifically this year. He was dead wrong on many aspects. He tried keeping... Uh, you know, his target for uh, such a long time. And then just recently, last week or this week, he came up with a statement saying, oh, it doesn't look like Fed would. Uh, I mean, it doesn't look like without the Fed cowbell or Fed stimulus, this is going to act. So I hope that answers your question on the tax sale piece, that tax sale definitely affects and anything which is down quarter to date, anything that is down year to date keeps getting hammered more because of that. Second, yeah, uh, tip, and by general rule, can, can of thumb, I, typic, sorry, general rule of thumb, it typically goes through kind of like the fifteenth of the month of December, right? Um, just just as a general rule of thumb, but uh, but yes, just wanted to highlight that piece as well. Right, and then the second yeah. part you asked about Wix, what would be the catalyst? We were just speaking with my team. Oh, earlier. Trent, sorry, just sorry before you get into that, um, the Santa Claus rally, everybody's got like. No offense, but like, stop talking about it. Uh, it's not a big deal. It's narrative driven. Just do what the signals doing it. The signals consolidating right now. So right now the signal uh, on the bottom end is not 
saying we're going to get new lows. Uh, so just deal with it, right? So like deal with that and deal with the fact that the top end is not a breakout. So it's not making new, uh, you know, new highs on a three month basis on a trending basis. So, uh, just deal with what it is. Um, Santa Claus rally people that's mainstream media, like bullshit, uh, that, that can come into play. You know, we might get a rally, but who, who, who the hell cares? Uh, just do what the market's doing and do what the game is doing. Um, and don't try to put your, you know, bias in regards to, uh, either being short or long, uh, or kind of expectations, uh, in, in, in play here. Just, uh, just, just kind of let the game come to you and let things, uh, let things play out, right? So right now, uh, coach is at a, at a, um, you know, a little under a, a 5% net short position. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 he, some RTAs have come out, so I don't really know what, what he's done, um, kind of in the last hour or so, but, uh, you know, that's kind of what he was coming in, into the day. And, you know, just let that guide you. So it's, you know, he's not, he's not net long, but he's certainly not, you know, to his max of, of, uh, of, of, uh, minus 25%, uh, net short either. So I'd call him kind of like in that, in that neutral ish territory, uh, with a, a bit of a bias to the downside. So, um, with, I'll, I'll leave it at that. And then trend, I'll, uh, you know, if you want to dive into the VIX catalyst. Yeah, so on VIX front, uh, this has been a standard pattern which we have observed for this entire bear market, right, which started somewhere in November last year or even January, you can say. Um, I mean, I sold most of my long-only stuff uh, when Josh came out with that macro show presentation. Um, I actually heavily sold a lot of my risk on gun assets um, and started turning short. But <clears throat> one of the aspects that I've notably observed is that whenever VIX goes above 30, we end up getting these wall targeting funds or even uh, wall selling funds, um, which try to promise uh, neutral positions, but highly uncorrelated returns for some of the larger portfolios, such as pension portfolios, endowment, etc. Uh, in fact, a few weeks ago on one of our weekly notebook review, I've even made an observation that 16 days, 16 trading days in a row, we had VIX continuously going down. Back then, it was about 25. And right now, that number is at about 27. So 27 trading days, only three or four days VIX uh, kind of ticked up. Otherwise, every day it would open close lower, open, close lower. Now, typically what tends to happen is whenever we have something which is deviating from the path that was expected or some sort of unexpected risk pops up, that's when we'd get a pop in wigs. For example, in between, we saw some issue which happened at the Poland border, right? Uh, but here are some of the catalysts that are yet to happen. Number one, the CPI that's coming out uh, which we talked about when Mike was here uh, on December 13th, uh, the FOMC uh, guidance that will come out on uh, December 14th about uh, how they're planning to chart out the course of action. They're definitely not pivoting. There's maybe one day uh, dove in form of Brainerd. But other than that, everybody else is still hawkish and they're saying that you know it's almost like an antibiotics course that you would have to take if you end up getting some sort of infection. You don't stop it at day three just because you start feeling better. You have to finish your course of you know all the five days if it's a five-day course antibiotic in order to make sure that it's effective. Otherwise, the thing keeps popping up or you may have much more severe infection. So similarly, in monetary policy, um, we haven't yet truly seen a 100% path that if 
Fed decides to pivot right now, that we would get uh, inflation and control down to like the two or three percent range, what are they targeting? Uh, and then that would just make them not only ineffective, it would actually take the inflation anchoring away from them and then the credibility is lost. Once credibility is lost, it becomes like Japan, right? You don't want to have a central bank losing credibility. The central bank knows that. So definitely their tone when they come out in December is going to be hawkish, just like it was hawkish in the last FMC. So uh, those are two catalysts I can think of. Um, we will start hearing more details about the energy-related issue and how consumption has just fallen off the cliff uh, with more numbers that are coming off. So, for example, today we had some of the European flash PMIs coming out, like German flash PMI came out. It is still in contractionary mode because it was below 50. We'll start getting more of those data points in Europe. And how does that affect us? S&P 500 has more than 47% of its revenue coming in from international. Of that 47%, about uh, 32% comes out from Europe. So think about it, 32% of overall S&P 500 earnings comes out of Europe. If that's contracting, if that's not growing, then what are you going to show your S&P earnings numbers from? People were trying to defend 240. Right now, they can't even defend 210 on S&P 500 earnings. So um, these are some of the catalysts as we finish off. This earnings season was really bad, you know, extremely bad as far as companies trying to meet estimates. Major Secular companies have not been able to meet estimates such as Google, such as, you know, a whole bunch of other outliers which have continuously beaten the uh, overall estimate. So uh, I hope that addresses both your questions, uh, Luc Lucina Capital Group. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Rent. It's also very helpful. Um, can I just follow up on something? Uh, yeah, by all means. GDP, GDP is coming out, I think, the... Uh, 30th, 30th of December. Does that can that be a catalyst for uh, for something to happen? Because I'm when I'm looking to the slides for uh, the the nowcast or the forecast from uh, Hedgeye, I'm I'm thinking I'm seeing a lower number than what is uh, consensus. Uh, so or maybe I'm I'm not seeing it right. Sorry, I'm just coming, uh, pulling it up now. Uh, so CPI, you, you're talking about Q4, Lucina? The G GDP, yeah, GDP for, G for GDP. Uh, 3rd December, 3rd, 30th, December, 30th November, excuse me. Yeah, the, sorry, did we put that? I know we put CPI in the morning, in the, yes. I can see real GDP, year over okay. year, and um, GDP. <laughs> Perfect. If, generally, if you can throw that up on the screen, um, yeah, this is TMS. So, sorry. Yeah, this is TMS. This is what everybody got this morning, but I'm not seeing it in here. So, Generon, there was CPI. Uh, can you show the GDP number? And um, I know CPI, we're look, we were looking at, um, you know, about, I think it was four and change, if uh, memory serves. Sorry, just give me one second, Lucina. Um, I should know this number off the top of my head. Here we go. So, CPI, we've got... Or, it's hard for me to see that number. Uh, Q4, uh, we're headed to, sorry, in Q3 23, we're headed to kind of 4.55. In Q4, we're looking for uh, 7 spot 5.2 um, in, uh, in, 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 in that regard. And then in, um, 
on the GDP. Shit, this is like super small. Can I get this bigger? Uh, here we go. GDP is bigger. Uh, we're looking for basically, I mean, call it zero, uh, you know, in, uh, in, in Q4. So like zero spot seven four, uh, Lucina is, uh, is the Q4 right. number that we're, that we're looking for, uh, versus Atlantic Fed estimates of, uh, around one. So we are kind of below, below that. And then the, the consensus estimates do look, uh, like they're a little bit below that. So I'll double check that number, uh, in terms of what the consensus is, uh, is saying, but that you're 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 spot on there in terms of what that uh, what that looks so like. So, but I'm looking at right. Yes, is the is the is the um, the, the the file of the slides where you can see what are the quads, and then you have the GDP uh, GDP year over year and the the graphic with the quads. That's the estimates on the right side up. That's the the good spot. The estimates. Um, on so in today's macro deck, it was slide thirteen. Are you looking at thirteen? Uh, page. You mean page? Page thirteen. Yeah. Are you looking at page thirteen uh, on the macro show slide deck? Is that what you're looking at? Page. <laughs> Let me count it because I cannot see it. Oh no problem. Is. Yeah. So I mean, in there on that slide, we're getting, we're showing real GDP uh, year over year, and then uh, we're getting to the estimates for Q4. And uh, going out to Q3 of 2023. Also note that yes. all the GDP and GDP rate of change is one of the factors or one of the features in the model. Yeah. There are 21 other features, right? So uh, in addition to spending time on looking at GDP, definitely look at multiple other aspects. Mm -hmm. Also keep in mind, so, you know, the catalysts keep coming. There's one catalyst which is coming up in an hour called FOMC meeting minutes. Now, that's not a part of the Hedgeye model um, from a features perspective, uh, but I just wanted to add to your list of catalysts which you're trying to look for. Yeah, and, and Trent, that's a great call out. So uh, today's uh, uh, today's deck from the macro show was uh, chock full of data and and. Um, it actually includes the the real GDP kind of uh, nowcast model and, and, and the top um, I believe there's 20 uh, top 30 excuse me in terms of um, uh, features that back test uh, and and those are the, some of the key components that go into and influence uh, the nowcast model uh, Lucina so if you you're if you're a macro show subscriber you, you can go to that uh, presentation from this morning and on slide 14, uh, which I'm actually showing on my screen right now, uh, you can see kind of uh, the data print, right? So um, if you, you're kind of looking on a, on a year over year basis, that would be kind of this November, December timeframe, even October, because uh, a lot of this data that's coming in is for October, obviously, of 2022. Um, and you can see a lot of it was kind of like faint, faint green, uh, not quite as green as it was back in April and May of, and June of 2021, but but still sort of uh, certainly, you know, positive, a lot of green on that screen there in terms of the October to December timeframe of 2021. So those are those are the uh, comparisons that we're going up against. And, and certainly, you know, information or this, the data is coming in and it's coming in, uh, you know, quite, uh, quite negatively, uh, certainly on a year over year basis. So, for instance, uh, retail sales, headline retail sales, um, which is the, uh, the sixth. Um, kind of mo most influential uh, data point from a back to standpoint, you know, that was uh, came in for October at 8.27 uh, versus a year ago at 16.62. So um, almost a uh, almost cut in half year over year basis, but a uh, great call out uh, trend. Um, so that, that that's the now cast model. And then 
Um, and then and the quad map Lucina, as you were talking about, that's kind of where uh, you know we 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 um, we chart the the GDP and CPI and get the and get the um, get the quad uh, you know where things are going to go in the quad uh, situation. And then remember too, and, uh, and I talked about this on a beginner's guide on on Friday, um, you know, a few days ago. That uh, in 2019, you know that that quad map was 75 basis points uh, wide on, in each direction, so 75 by 75, and then on the uh, and, and now uh, today, and so kind of you know two years later, it's uh, 250 basis points uh, wide in, in both directions on the x and y axis. So um, just keep that in mind as you're seeing. You know, we, we just have had obviously things are have have gone to uh, quite extremes, both um, positively and now kind of negatively. Uh, thank you very much, Robert. Thank you very much, yeah. Frank. I'm only elite pass, so I don't have everything. <laughs> no, elite, but elite pass much. you have. But elite pass you have macro. Yeah, I have a lot. Right? I'm joking. I have a lot. No, no, yeah, yeah. But but you you have the macro. Yeah, you you get the macro show on that. So you know, I look have at the that macro show. Uh, the call I have. Yes. Yeah, um, so, ETF Pro. I have. Hundred uh, percent. So so yeah. the, the 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 presentation today was chock full of of. I mean, that's fifty three slides in it. Uh, so it's it's a bit it's a bit different than the traditional macro show um, kind of presentation that goes out and, and really that that's because of of Drago and, and Richie uh, were on the show this morning with with Jonesy and um, you know they're they're uh, are you know I mean we're all data junkies but uh, but especially especially those guys I should say data jockeys not junkies but uh, you know we, we love the data right so but the, today's deck I definitely you know, uh, I don't know if you're here in the U.S., but, um, you know, over the weekend, you know, definitely if you get a chance, you know, kind of dive into some of those slides and, and review, you know, where we are um, in terms of, you know, the data that's, that's come out and that should be coming out. You know, that's a, you know, a lot of folks have asked me about kind of the weekend work and, and that's a piece of the puzzle in terms of, you know, trying to, you know, trends been, you know, rhyming off a, a number of the different kind of catalysts and events that are on the calendar. Uh, you know, you should be writing down a, a lot of those um, over the weekend and kind of going through, you know, cross-referencing maybe, you know, again, maybe start small depending on, on what you're doing, but uh, maybe the top, you know, top 10 to 15. But obviously, you know, if you really want to do this well, you should kind of track, you know, the top 40 or sorry, the top 30, you know, features that that, that influence the, uh, the now cast model and know when those catalysts are coming in, right? So when those data points are going to get updated and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it's not, they're not on, they're not every week, right? But, uh, but certainly kind of knowing when those are going to hit, um, can be it can be very um, obviously influential in, in regards and, and again they're they're just data points right so it's like one tool in, in the toolbox that that influences the nowcast model uh, but knowing when they're going to come across especially you know really key ones like real PCE uh, is is the number one um, you know factor that goes in and and, uh, and yeah so just kind of knowing when that's coming across the horizon and that kind of thing uh, should help uh, you uh, just uh, better execute. Thanks, Robert. Thanks for Absolutely. the explanation. Thank you very much. Yeah, you got it. Absolutely. Uh, cool. So, again, I feel badly. Uh, Mike T got cut off there. Sorry, buddy. If you're listening in on this, um, I am very sorry that that happened. Uh, it was purely a McGrory uh, gaffe. Um, I think that's only happened once in the last year. So I'll just chalk that up to you know me being an idiot. And, but uh, you know, we got me and a guy that jumped on. Uh, we have been going for kind of an hour and a half here, so I'm, I'm you know, I know it's sort of take two, but um, I think kind of wrapping things up. Unless we got um, anything really new after after Muni guy, I know uh, he's probably going to give us a, a great update in the Muni space. So, 
Well, uh, Brian, welcome. Happy Thanksgiving, bud. Hey, thank you, Robert. Happy Thanksgiving to uh, to you. Um, thank you. I think I did a post this morning. At, <clears throat> um, you know, Black Friday. I was like, oh, I gotta buy. I gotta rebuy my Macro Pro on on the cheap, <laughs> right? And I realized it just renewed, and I was like, oh, I was like, the twenty first is my my anniversary date. I'd forgotten, you know, the exact date. So I put a That's a post awesome. up yeah. about. Um, you know, my renewal and my one year anniversary and just, you know, I'm kind of spending time today um, being thankful for certain things. And one is Hedge Eye Nation, um, just the relationships and the uh, just the ability to, to talk about things over Twitter and, and, you know, being exposed to things I wouldn't normally be exposed to is just it's just great. So I'm thankful for Hedge Eye Nation. I'm thankful for having a team, uh, you know, behind me. Um, uh, I'm also thankful that I didn't get wiped out by SBF. Um, so, uh, you know, that's like on everybody's mind right now. So, uh, that's been kind of comical to, uh, to watch, but, um, um, so I just jot down a few things, not much here, um, in the primary market, um, deals coming to market, uh, they're getting done very healthy, health, uh, healthy right now. So after seeing robust participation, I uh, put a post up. We saw inflows into muni bond funds. Um, so, you know, definitely uh, feel like the uh, supply-demand column is shifted towards, um, you know, people buying bonds and just having less uh, less supply out there. I've been talking about that for a while now because uh, with the holidays, you know, they're playing their role to suppress volume. There are less days of the year to price bonds. And uh, so that means that issuers, you know, they plan their issuances uh, accordingly. And so you'll see, even though the post I did this morning says that volume's up on the 30-day outlook, it's only because people have piled in a bunch of bond issues within this per- a period of time, but it will, it will revert. The, the key, though, is the, the secondary market. So there, it's pretty much dried up. Um, I put a um, in the post, I underlined the Muni Center. So Muni Center is a um, it's a platform in which dealers trade bonds to each other at wholesale prices, uh, and, and it's it's continued to dry up. Uh, last week, I picked up um, two uh, nice odd lots, high quality names, uh, a four coupon to yield a four eighty double tax free. And the best bond I see today is four is out of four thirty-five. So um, you know things have been uh, pretty gobbled up uh, in in the secondary, which again supports the the supply demand um, equation I've been talking about. Um, from an issuer example perspective of kind of what I see going into next year with some clients, um, I worked on and have been working on for almost two years now on a very large detention center uh, we don't call them jails anymore um, we call them detention centers um, I've been running it at 55 million and I just got an updated figure of 89 million so definitely some construction inflation and then when you add on that you have uh, you have um, in, you know interest rates have increased even though they're a high quality name their deal will get done it's still at a little bit elevated level Um in terms of what they were used to seeing during the QE phase, so um, I see a I see pressure on um, you know people dollar cost averaging projects downward as best they can, 
But what I'm telling um, our issuers is that rising unemployment is their friend. And all you have to do is go back to 08 to 10 and, re and remember when we hit the, uh, the, the recession, you know, all, all, we, all we heard about was, you know, use local people and people need work and, and all those types of things. So I think the labor components of, of uh, these projects will come down. I think interest rates, um, by and large, will come down some, but they'll still be higher than um, what we saw during QE, which seems to be the, the supported narrative um, from the Fed and what they're trying to do to bring inflation down. Uh, and, um, uh, and then lastly, I guess, you know, just kind of since things are kind of wrapping up on the bond world to year end, there have been uh, a number of, uh, of fellow Hedgeye guys that I've been working with um, and we've been sort of building out our muni bond portfolios together since about June or July. And um, so a shout out to those guys who, um, you know, learned, learned how to buy bonds in the primary market, built out their portfolios. As, as I've posted, I am 51% long duration uh, individual municipal bonds. Uh, most of that is because I'm, you know, just over 50 and I need and want the income. So it's a little bit of a different viewpoint than I know a lot of people have. But, um, you know, I've really hit it hard this year. And then lastly, um, I posted this morning, uh, my limit, actually, I could not believe it didn't hit. I had, we had a freaking haircut and I missed it. But um, I put a, a short on uh, TQQQ. So I'm shorting the triple eight bull. And uh, I did a little bit of analysis of if you did, if you just shorted triple Q on its own, what would it have done year to date? And then I said, if you would have just purchased SQQQ, which is three times leverage short triple Q, what would it have done? And it, it, as it, you can see my post, it is a massive amount of differential. Um, and Mike Taylor is the one that brought this up a while ago on a notebook session. I just sort of been, keeping it in the back of my head and I finally decided to do the work and, and look at the math and the decay on the, the SQQQ portion. If you're, you know, holding, holding a core short and you're able to do it, um, shorting it, you know, the traditional way of shorting as opposed to an ETF short. Um, it really was sort of stark to me to see the, the math differential. So, uh, hopefully my limit order will hit. I am building, um, my shorts up going into next year. And, um, you know, my horizon in, in sort of grossing up my shorts is, is really more long-term and more full cycle. So I don't plan on buying and, and selling them. Um, I plan on holding core positions. So uh, that's really kind of what I'm doing. That's kind of what I'm seeing. I think rates have, are, are doing what they're doing, and I'm interested to see what Keith does in terms of, of rates from here. But, um, yeah, I heard a lot of talk about narratives. And um, like you, Robert, I don't give a shit about narratives. All narratives mean to me is an example, is, it, is an opportunity to arbitrage. And, uh, uh, you know, I hope to have a thousand narratives on the bull side between now and the end of the year. Because all it means is I'm just going to continue to incrementally add to my short positions. And um, not only will I take care of the, will I take advantage of the full cycle of the recession, but now that I'm going to be shorting the triple weight bull, I'll also get that decay. Um, oh, you know, along with it. So that's all I got. Um, Robert, I know that we're kind of towards the end of your call here. Yeah, no, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. You know, some, some good insights. Um, you know, I think from 
although you are, you know, Mike Taylor has talked about kind of the, you know, taking the other side of the inverse of the, of the, uh, bulls to short, right. Of the, I'll just, just be conscientious of what you're doing on, on those. Uh, and this goes out, not just to you. I know Brian, you, you know what you're doing, but uh, it's goes goes out to everybody out there. Um, and even the SQQ, right. It's uh, it's three X levered short. Um, and obviously there's, you know, when things go against you there, you know, the reason why I suspect, anyway, it, it, you kind of got to be actively managing, you know, most of those, um, you know, all of those really uh, across the board. And I just would uh, encourage you to do that. Absolutely. You know me and my triple weights. I get them, <laughs> I right. get them right all the time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, all right. So, you know, with that, you know, I think, um, again, you know, appreciate everybody. Uh, X2, I know you had a question, but if we can kind of put a pin in it to, to maybe next week, I'd, uh, I'd appreciate that. Um, and, and we can, we can go from there. So sorry about that, buddy. But, uh, but yeah, I think we're, so we're doing uh, notebook review again. It's, um, earlier earlier date you, you you only get a few days off here boys and girls um so we'll be back on on monday at 2 p.m uh, so again that'll be monday at 2 p.m uh, right after the long weekend uh hopefully we'll get uh maybe take a little bit of a different approach rather than doing a uh kind of a midweek kind of update in terms of what we've seen we can uh, kind of get into what we're what we're kind of seeing post some weekend work of, over the long weekend uh but with that i appreciate everybody's time and energy thank you to all uh, all my my speakers and Mike Taylor, who uh, I accidentally kicked off, or not really, but I accidentally ended that for our space. So sorry about that. Um, and happy Thanksgiving to all. Uh, you know, you're, you guys are, are absolute uh, rock stars, each and every one of you. And, and I'm very grateful for all of Hedge Eye Nation um, for for uh, all the love and support that uh, Hedge Eye gets from from all of you, and, and especially uh, myself on on these notebook reviews and and um, and, and the most recently beginner's guide. So with that, I'll bid you all adieu and, um, you know, God bless and, and have a great Thanksgiving. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal tax accounting or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk, and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the Terms of Service at Hedgeye.com slash Terms of Service.